This is the Tom Baker Show. Welcome to the Tom Baker Show. I am Tom, and it is good to have you with me. Good to be back in the comfy chair for another show. And we have got uh, a really unique young special guest that's going to join us. His name is Eloy Sebastian Lopez Falcone, and he is from Mexico, but uh, he's in the U.S. right now, and he's in the Rev Racing NASCAR uh, Driver Diversity Program. And I'm bringing this interview to you because I, Eloy is, number one, he's an extremely humble and personable young man, and number two, he's already an accomplished racer in Mexico. We're going to talk about, or he's going to talk about what he's already done in the sport and why I think it's really interesting that he's actually right now racing Legends cars uh, at the Cookout Summer Shootout Charlotte Motor Speedway instead of racing big cars here. I think that's um, it's really interesting that Rev Racing is kind of putting him at that level. But um, I also understand the reasons for it. So we're gonna we're gonna hear from Eloy a little bit later on, um, and our hot topic is going to be. Uh, kind of in line with that interview, and it's going to be about climbing the ladder in motorsports. We're going to talk about what's wrong with the system uh, that we currently have. I'm going to talk about some things that I think we could do to fix it. But in the meantime, we're also going to talk about what a driver can do now to stand out and uh, be marketable to sponsors so that they can climb the ladder because we all know that right now money is is a huge part of it and i don't think that's going to go away anytime soon i do think there are some things that could be done from the top level to kind of help um make a more straight line system development system so to speak but um it, it's not going to ever not be a business i don't think so we'll talk about all that in a little while first however it's time for our warm-up session. NASCAR had all three divisions in action at the Nashville Super Speedway. By the way, for those of you who don't know, it is just over a mile. I think a lot of people believe that's a mile and a half track. It's not. It's just over a mile, the Nashville Super Speedway. It is in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, a really nice part of the state. The trucks were in action. The Rackley Roofing 200 and Carson Hosevar got yet another victory he became um he joined the list of multi-time winners in the truck series this year uh, with his second win of the season holding off zane smith who's had an abysmal last four races or so all four out of the top 20 but uh, came back strong finished in second and this one had a fast truck at the end just couldn't quite get to carson to challenge him nick sanchez a nice run for third Corey Heim fourth and Bailey Curry rounded out the top five. Now Curry to me is one of the two biggest surprises. Now the other one I'll get to in a minute, but Bailey running for Nice Motorsports had a spectacular run. He was in the top five for most of the event and it was great to see him finish there. He's a driver who like many others is trying to establish himself as a NASCAR national series driver. And he's having to do it by bringing money. And uh, Bailey's hanging in there. And it's finishes like that. 
that are going to uh, kind of rise his stock a little bit and uh, keep him going. Host of our second win of his stocks through the moon right now because he's he's running up front in all three series um, or running uh, well in all three series. He's looked good. Um, in the Xfinity series, several runs there. And of course, uh, his opportunity in the Cup series to uh, replace Corey LaJoy when Corey went to replace Chase Elliott. Carson clearly had a better performance that day by a long shot in the seven than Corey did in the nine. The difference was, of course, that um, a brake rotor broke on the seven car and ended up causing uh, Josevar to crash. But uh, Carson's a hot commodity right now. Bagley needed second place for Smith, as I mentioned, because the Zane train had been full of pain the past few races, um, and he needed that upfront run. So um, he's in the playoffs, but momentum's everything. And, you know, it was just uh, about a year ago at this time that that team, Front Row Motorsports, was on fire and considered the top team in the truck series. And now, I would argue, a year later, it isn't that they've they've forgotten how to win races, but they've really had a bad sort of series of races. And there are a number of other teams that have caught up now, I would argue. And so not as easy for Zane to win as it was a year ago. We'll see where that goes. The big surprise for me in this one was Raja Karuth. Raja led and ran up front for much of the race until mechanical issues knocked him out. That was a splendid performance for Raja. And so there's two. We talk about the Drive for Diversity program. It is legit. I mean, there are some really talented young racers that have come through that and are still in that program. Um, And Nick Sanchez and Raja are two of them that are racing in the trucks, and they are definitely doing themselves proud um, Raja, I believe, is is headed for some much better finishes as the year goes on with um, Legacy, or I guess it's still GMS Racing uh, in the Truck Series. Okay, July the 8th at Mid-Ohio, the next race for the trucks, and we'll look forward to that on the road course. The Xfinity Series raced as well. The Tennessee Lottery 250, folks, this race was a slobber knocker. Three cautions of the first 20 laps. 15 drivers involved in at least one incident before the end of stage two. We had 11 total cautions. It was a long, hot Saturday in Music City for the Xfinity set. Um, Yet it was still uh, a super exciting race at the same time. 17 lead changes among 11 drivers. A.J. Allmendinger with a huge win for Colleague Racing. Riley Herbst finished in second. More on him in a moment. Sam Mayer, a nice run. One of his best of the year for Junior Motorsports finishes third. Austin Hill, a fourth place run. And Josh Berry uh, finished the top five in that one. Again, Herbst, to me, the big surprise. Uh, Breakout runner-up finish his first race with new crew chief Davin Restivo. Now, Davin is not uh, an unknown here. He led Cole Custer to a dominant season in 2019 in the Xfinity series. And now he's working with Riley. And this could be the break that Riley needed. Riley's had some flashes of brilliance over the course of his time in Xfinity. But he, I would say, would argue that he has not lived up necessarily to 
the equipment he's been driving for the most part until this year. Well, now I think this pairing with Restivo could be exactly what he needs. I mean, they came out of the box with a second and they don't even really know each other very well yet. So um, I would expect to see Riley Herbst at this point, he really needs to keep doing that. He needs those top four, top five, top three, you know, needs to win a race, needs to be able to prove that he can compete for wins in the championship in that series, because certainly he could be a factor in future plans for Stuart Haas for the cup series. If he can only kind of take that, that next step. So um, great job for Riley in that one. Um, The next race for the Xfinity Series, the Loop 121 at Chicago. That is this Saturday, July the 1st at 5 p.m. Eastern. Now, folks, this is on the USA Network. Remember, we're NBC slash USA Network now. So Fox slash FS1 goes out the window for the rest of the year, except for the trucks. They're all on FS1. The uh, Xfinity race will be on the USA Network 5 o'clock Saturday afternoon Eastern time from uh, Chicago. So that should be interesting. Ally 400 was run for the Cup Series. The Music City Melon Man, Ross Chastain. This, I would almost say this was Ross's best race ever in Cup. This one, he went out, he didn't make any mistakes that, you know, were glaring. He didn't take anybody out, didn't run over anybody, didn't run through anybody. He drove a flawless race to get the win, and he pretty much dominated. I mean, he... You know, everybody knew he was the car to beat. Martin Truex got second, and he was strong, but th- he had nothing for Ross Chastain. Denny Hamlin, third, good run for him. Chase Elliott, fourth, and Kyle Larson rounded out the top five. Now, again, just think about that top five for a minute. I'm going to read those again. Ross Chastain, Martin Truex, Denny Hamlin, Chase Elliott, and Kyle Larson. So what you have here is Ross Chastain beating a cup champion, a driver who has probably had three or four championships won. He just didn't finish first. A cup champion and a cup champion, right? So that was big. For Ross Chastain, that win was big because it was a clean race for him. It will no doubt give them confidence. It was kind of a home race for Trackhouse because they're, they they like to say they're based there and you know so much of uh, what happens with their business comes from Nashville. So Uh, That was a big win for Chastain. The big surprise here, Eric Jones finished eighth in the Legacy Motor Club Chevy, number 43. And I would say that um, Eric was, um, that was, again, a a, a bit of a breakout run. He hasn't had too much good to talk about this year. That team has really, really struggled with speed and performance and and durability. Um, So, Eric, a good run in the 43 car in that one. The next run for the Cup Series, of course, is this weekend on the streets of Chicago, the Grant Park 220. That's this Sunday, July the 1st at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Late start on NBC. Now, IndyCar's off for a couple more weeks. And F1, of course, back this weekend, the Austrian Grand Prix. Big question. You know what it is. Can anybody beat Mad Max? I doubt it, but we'll see. Um, it's getting a little closer. Okay. The cars tour was in action at Caraway Speedway on Wednesday night. The firecracker 265 
Uh, we're going to talk about the late model stock real quick, and then also the pro late models. Lane Riggs getting the win, driving for Kevin Harvick, KHI. Uh, Kevin, back in the, the development business, so to speak, has a late model. He drove it at North Wilkesboro, had a nice run, but Lane Riggs took it to victory lane. And pretty much uh, once he got by Carson Quapple, he was just unchallenged. That was a hot car and a hot driver and a hot night. Lane Riggs with a win. Jared Fryer second. Mason Diaz 20th to third. What a run for him. Somebody needs to put him in a truck, at least a truck, if not an Xfinity car full time. Um, good run for him. Carson Quapple finished in fourth. And Carson just kind of been a little bit off lately. Um, the pro division, Carson's younger brother, Caden. Took a dominant victory. Katie Hedinger second. Tate Fogelman was third. Cole Butcher fourth. Justin Hicks fifth. Hedinger, by the way, I consider, we talked about female racers last week. Katie's the real deal. Keep your eye on Katie Hedinger because she is definitely going places. The Cars Tour um, has a a bit of a, a break and the pro side of it going to run at Wake County in a couple of weeks. But uh, the big race coming up for them is at Hickory Motor Speedway. That will be at the end of July. It is the throwback race, and that's a big one. And by the way, all of the Cars Tour races are on Flow Racing. So if you have a subscription to Flow, you can catch them all. Kyle Larson was in action last night uh, in the late model stock side of things at Caraway and finished up in eighth. It was a good run for Kyle bounced it off the wall a time or two and, um, enjoyed mixing it up with everybody ended up with an eighth place finish, which was not bad at all. Um, and again, catch the cars tour. If you can, for those who don't know, that is the series that is now owned by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Jeff Burton, Justin Marks and Kevin Harvick. Those four are now uh, co-investors and co-owners of that series. And you're starting to see more and more uh, NASCAR participation. So it'll be interesting to see how that sort of goes to affect the short track part of it. By the way, I missed, uh, I should have announced Caden Honeycutt finished in the top five. He finished fifth in the late model stock. And Caden's the driver that I expect big things from. Just announced that he is signed with Motorsports Management International. That is a top uh, group for representation of drivers. So Caden is now going to have a huge influx of resources behind him. Um, and we'll see if that translates into sponsor dollars because that's what he needs to get him hooked up with a team that can take him. And I believe his NASCAR championship talent and put him with the right people to uh, elevate his career to where it needs to be. So good run for Caden in the top five in the Mike Darn racing entry at Caraway last night. Oh, by the way, they had a legends race there too. And it was Landon Lewis who you've heard um, or seen in the ARCA series this year. If you pay attention to that, he's won a couple of races in ARCA already. Landon <laughs> getting back into the legends car and um, showing them all the short way around at Caraway last night, a big win for him and that is going to bring the checkered flag to our warm-up session for this show let's go to our feature interview and hear from Eloy Falcone 
We're at Charlotte Motor Speedway for the cookout summer shootout. And we're sitting in the media center having a conversation with a young man who is racing here from Mexico. And we're going to learn a little bit about Eloy Falcone. And, of course, they call him the Falcon. And uh, he's been fast here. He's with Rev Racing and just has a really terrific personality. Thought that uh, you would like to meet him and get to know him a little bit. One of the rising stars coming up through the ranks. So, first of all, Eloy, thanks for being on the show with us. Talk a little bit about what got you interested in motorsports to begin with, and how old were you at the time? Well, uh, I'm very uh, happy to stay here in this championship, and obviously uh, very thanks with Rev Racing in my first year in this program. And well, I started like uh, when I was five years old in the karting. Oh. Uh, I make like uh, seven years. Uh, participating in different categories in, in, in the go-karts and then I make like my turn in the Formula 4 Spanish Championship ah. uh, yeah it's like very very different than the NASCAR world and well uh, in my, my first race in, uh, as NASCAR Mexico it was in the 2021 uh, in the Trucks Mexico Series um, from Mexico and well, in 2022, I, I won the championship of the NASCAR Truck Mexico Series, so uh, I'm very proud of that. And obviously, uh, very thanks for all the people that helped me in these parts, uh, my family, and obviously the sponsors. And now uh, I start my way here in the United States uh, to make my dream come true. Uh, uh, like, I want to be uh, some ambassador from Mexico <laughs> here. So I'm very happy. Um, well, I need to learn too many things here. <laughs> Obviously, uh, the first uh, thing is like the I need to uh, speak better English, so <laughs> I, I, I'm learning. Well, the first thing you need to learn if you're in the Charlotte area is Bojangles, right? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I just I, I love Bojangles. Uh, I love the chicken. Every, oh, and the French fry, I, I think, is my favorite food here. So I, I, I really like uh, obviously, I'm cookout. <laughs> well, see, you were supposed to say, well, I like Bojangles, but I like cookout better because, of course, they're sponsoring the summer shootout that you're racing in, right? Um, so we'll teach you how to sort of represent uh, a little later and, and do that sort of twist of words like that. But uh, great to great to have you here. And you've, I mean, you just rattled off about four different divisions that you've run, including a fair amount of big car racing in which you've already won a championship, um, and now you're racing a Legends car. Does this feel like a step down to you, or is this actually more of a challenge because these cars are so small and nimble and darty? What's this like for you after running F4 and, and NASCAR trucks and all of that? Well, uh, I think it's like... A challenge for me uh, this is a new category and always you learn a lot every part so uh, obviously the championship have too much the high level all of drivers and I feel very comfortable uh, race with a uh, race so I need to learn uh, is like um, very difficult weight but it's like I drive like the a very heavy car with much horsepower and the lane car is like a small car but they give you like too many car control so that's <laughs> helped me a lot and obviously I learned uh, 
all, uh, like all the part of uh, this is the beginning here uh, in the Legends car from all the way in the NASCAR. Uh, so I very proud of that, and obviously I want to make my best uh, every race, and obviously with my I very exciting to stay uh, with Brave Racing this year. I would imagine that um, you're kind of, if you're looking to head toward NASCAR, you're kind of looking to follow in the footsteps of Daniel Suarez, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously, Daniel Suarez uh, is the, a Mexican driver who represents uh, all the Latino community in the NASCAR. Uh, and one day I want to be like Daniel Suarez and create my own career in the NASCAR, in the NASCAR series and make a legacy. What has been the biggest challenge about adjusting to life so far here in the U.S.? I mean, you mentioned the language, obviously, trying to learn English, which is really complex because you're in the South, and that's a whole different sort of English than what you get in the Midwest or the West Coast or up North, right? So, but, but besides that, what's been the biggest challenge? What are some of the things that you've had to kind of get used to or adjust to here? Well, first of all, uh, the language is uh, is uh, very difficult for me, but I learned a lot this all the summer, and I continue learning, uh, obviously, to communicate with the team. That's a big problem that I have uh, because I feel uh, some kind uh, uh, that my teammate of crew chief doesn't understand me. So that's a different, uh, a very difficult way. But well, uh, I I'm here to be uh, successful in every race, so I want to. To learn, and obviously, uh, this car is new for me. Uh, this is my first time uh, in, in the season of the summer shootout, so I'm very excited to learn. Uh, and obviously, fight for the championship for me is very important to make uh, good results and obviously uh, learn every race. Are you here full time or just for the racing season? Have you actually relocated here to pursue your racing? No, I'm going to make all the summer shootout. And obviously, I want to make, uh, at the end of the year, uh, I'm planning to make some uh, races in the late models. Oh, okay. But, I mean, are you here in the U.S. full-time is what I was asking. Have you relocated here, like, permanently to the U.S.? Are you intending to stay here, or are you going back to Mexico after the season's over? Oh, no. Uh, that's a challenge for me because uh, I run, currently, I run in the NASCAR Mexico Challenge. That is the highest level uh, ah. in Mexico. So I, I go uh, to championship, the summer shootout, and obviously the NASCAR Mexico. So I so need to come back uh, only for Mexico to make that races uh, in the summer. And I'm going to stay here all the summer uh, for uh, race uh, every week. And you're, what, 18 years old now? Yes, 18 years old. So talk a little bit about the differences in what the racing's like in Mexico versus what we see here in the U.S. Oh, uh, there is like too many differences. Uh, first of all, uh, here there you have like too many tracks that are awesome and obviously <laughs> very big. So I enjoy every time that I come here to Charlotte and more Speedway uh, is like a dream come true. So, yeah, the car is very different uh, in, in the NASCAR Mexico and here in the summer shootout. In NASCAR Mexico, we drive a, a B8 uh, with 500 horsepower. So it's very different car, uh, and I need to learn. The truck series that runs over there is not the same type of truck as what we have here in the Craftsman truck series. Now, you've ran those over there, so talk about what the differences are. 
Well, uh, first of all, uh, they have less core powers. Uh, it's a V6. And the chassis, uh, I don't remember. Uh, it's like um, another category that there are raised here, but I don't remember the name. Uh, and obviously, it's like uh, they have no power, not too much power. It's like the summer shootout here. <laughs> So what do you like to do when you're not racing and, and how does that how has that been different here versus what life would be like for you over there? Well, first of all, uh, now here I am alone, so I need to cook my food. So uh, that's the uh, I, I started <laughs> liking to to make my food. And Have they introduced you to a microwave yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, more easy, no? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I like to cook. Uh, I, I understand and I'm learning. I see some videos in YouTube and make my, my food. And obviously, I like to play basketball. Ah, okay. Now, that's not something I necessarily would have thought about for someone from Mexico. Is, yeah. that, is that a big sport over there? Not too many. No, okay. no, no, it's not a big uh, sport, but uh, I practice in the high school in Mexico. Oh. I make, uh, uh, well, practice in, in, in the basketball. So what is your favorite thing to cook? Oh, uh, maybe, oh, well, like a Mexican, you want to make tacos, but I want to make lasagna or some pastas. So a Mexican who loves Italian. Yeah, <laughs> like two kind of different of these things. Well, there you go. That's good for carbo-loading before races. That's yeah, a, that's, that, a good that, thing. that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's helped me a lot. So talk about training for you because you must have some sort of regimen of, of, of training with all of the big cars that you've run. Um, what is that like for you? And, and again, how is that different from here to Mexico? Well, that's a very important thing, uh, obviously. Uh, make sport it, it, it work, it's work uh, in, in the actual cars so well uh, I make uh, every weekend and we well uh, every week uh, exercise in the morning uh, in the rep racing uh, development so I have coaches right there and obviously I have uh, per, uh, some person that helped me in that part that is Rogelio Lopez that is a Mexican uh, is my Mexican coach that helped me uh, here and in Mexico. So uh, that's I have a, a, a very good team with Rev and my coach in Mexico that helped me here to to stay in good condition. So what would you like people to know about you in terms of what kind of person you are and, and sort of what you're all about? What, what would you say to somebody if you're trying to sort of introduce them as your fan or whatever? Well, uh, I'm here because I have a dream, and that dream is to stay, uh, obviously, in the biggest category uh, in NASCAR. And I, obviously, I want to be a legacy here and represent all the Latino community and, well, uh, all the effort that my family make uh, to stay here, me. Uh, so I'm very thanks with my family. And obviously, I want to make every effort that I raise. I want to win here my first race so I have a challenge and well uh, make that, that legacy for all the people that heard me help me out here okay so let's zero back in on why we're here at Charlotte which is the shootout first two rounds were run last week and a little while ago we ran round three we're about to run round four so tell us how the first three rounds have gone for you well um, first of all 
Uh, we have a very difficult qualifying. Uh, we qualified for the first uh, for the round three in P20. Uh, so we start the first, well, the third round in 20. Uh, we we are making a a very good race. Um, we in the last restart we start uh, P5, and in the end we have a little contact that doesn't help me at the end of the race. So, in other words, somebody made contact with you. Yeah, somebody don't break. <laughs> so, well, uh, that's part of the races. So I need to learn, and obviously we have an, another race this night. So, um, obviously make uh, all the possible to stay in the front row and make sure that I want to be winning this night. What is the biggest challenge for you with these Legends cars? What has been the biggest challenge in adapting to them and racing on a tight quarter mile here? Well, I think the oh, the driving is very different. Uh, I need to, uh, to learn because uh, I... I learn from uh, heavy cars uh, and more horsepower, so I need to adapt uh, from this car. And obviously, I, I need to be better in the qualifiers because I have too many problems right there. And in, we, in the race, we are good, but uh, we need to be better in the qualifiers. Yeah, that's uh, and these cars are so close on speed yes. too. Um, so that's that's really a challenge. If you're off just a little, you can start twelfth or fifteenth, and then you got a long way to go in twenty or twenty-five laps for sure. Okay, so I know you can't do all of this by yourself. So here's your chance to thank anybody and everybody that you want to. Go ahead. Well, I can you repeat me again? I, I lost. <laughs> who would you like to thank? I know you got sponsors. Ah. This is your opportunity. You can't do this by yourself. So who would you like to thank? Uh, for sure, uh, Rev Racing for giving me this opportunity. Uh, my first time here in the United States. So I very thank uh, in that part of the program of Drive for Diversity. Uh, and I want to be, uh, I want to win this championship with this team and the program that helped me uh, to come. Uh, from United States and obviously my family, uh, all my family, my dad, my mom that helped me and uh, well it's a little bit hard to stay here alone but that's uh, the way and obviously my coach uh, Rogelio Lopez from from Mexico. Well congratulations on all the success you've had in the sport so far. We're happy to have you here in the U.S. and competing in the summer shootout and we wish you nothing but the best for safe and successful racing while you're here. Now, thank you very much, and obviously, uh, I helped me a lot in the social media. Uh, I am the Falcon now. <laughs> the Falcon, Eloy Falcon. <laughs> it's time for today's hot topic, and I've chosen a hot topic today that is almost probably more complex than we even have time to unpack in this show so this may require that we continue this discussion into next week's show now the topic is how do we climb the ladder in motorsports in 2023 now the simple answer is you bring a fistful of money but we all know that not everybody has that and that then becomes the challenge the, the challenge that we're talking about today is if we aren't born into money, 
How do we climb the ladder in motorsports? And I'm going to break this down for those who don't really understand how the sport works that may be listening to this and only care about, you know, one form of racing or another and really don't don't realize a lot of these challenges. So let's try to break this down. If you grew up playing baseball, for example, you probably started in something that would be called like a minor league and then went to something called little league. And then maybe you even had what's called senior league, which is what happens after little league, but happens outside of the high school team setting. Or you played high school baseball. And then if you want to continue on and you're good enough, you could get signed by a team to go play for a single a farm club which which really is a baseball development team okay then you go to double a and then if you're if you're good enough you go to triple a all those are baseball development teams right they're major league development teams football has their own sort of path you know, from flag football, youth football to high school football to college football. And then if you're good enough, you get drafted, go to the pros. Basketball has their own sort of path like that. Um, And so does hockey. Soccer is a little bit less organized in the U.S. and is still pay to play in some um, aspects. Now, motorsports is the least organized of all of them. There is no organized, direct pathway to get from the very beginner level to the top pro level. There are tons of different types of motorsports. And there are a lot of ways in terms of just the you might say the competition part of it, there are a lot of options. You can go in any number of different routes and put an, any number of different divisions together in a stack. I'm going to go from this and then do that and then do that and do that. And that will prepare me for whatever I want to be my top level. If you want to be a NASCAR driver, there are some obvious choices. But there are many drivers who came to NASCAR from the dirt track side, which is not really the obvious path. It's it, the obvious path is to go to, to late models on pavement and work your way from there. But th- there are drivers more and more, in fact, who are coming from the dirt track side. You can, if you want to be a road racer, there are a million different steps you could kind of layer together into a business plan or a a career plan. I go from this to that to the next. If you want to be a World of Outlaws sprint car driver, then, you know, obviously you start maybe in quarter midgets and then, or you start in outlaw carts and you just, you know, get into say a micro sprint or whatever and, and you kind of layer your way up. 305 sprints, 360 sprints, 410 sprints. You got midgets over there. You can do so that that has, but again, it's not just sort of one way we used to have in NASCAR. Once you got 
wanted to go to sort of the national level, we had ARCA, Bush, and Cup. Remember those days, the ABC and teams would field an ARCA team and then move the driver to the Bush team, which is now Xfinity, and then on to the Cup team if they were good enough. <clears throat> now we have the truck series that that got made into sort of a step. It I look at it as you don't have to have any ARCA. You could literally come out of a late model into a truck. So it's 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 kind of confusing just to think about how do I design that stepladder for myself. If I want to go to Indy, there's a whole other <laughs> you know, you you want to you want to be in uh road race karting at that point right now. Um and use that as your starting point, then you go to like you know, what is it? USF 2000 I think and then you know, you, you, you've got your steps from there, U.S. Juniors, USF4, um, then USFR. There's there's different. You got the road to Indy. Um, and so F1 is almost impossible if you live in the U.S. You, you have to leave the U.S. Now, like I said, that's confusing enough just to sort of sit down and think about, well, if I'm here, if I'm racing a late model or if I'm racing a super modified or a modified or whatever it is, what's my next step? What's my next step? What's my next step? And how now here comes the, here comes the, the big challenge. How do I fund it? Who pays? There are very few hired rides anymore. Now they do exist. There are teams in sprint cars, for example, that will hire you if you're good enough. There are teams in, in dirt late models that will hire you if you're good enough. Teams in USAC, like they're out there. And of course, then you get to a certain level in NASCAR and you can sign with a team or whatever, and then you're you're on your way. But what if you're what if you're in quarter midgets right now, or you're in legends cars, or you're in carts, or you're in, you know, racing at your local track in something, late model, modify, whatever it is four-cylinder car, front-wheel drive, whatever, but you want to move up. How do you do this? In 2023, it's it's hard to get sponsors. It's really, really hard. It used to be you just had to be a good in-person presenter and have a nice, what we call a deck or a marketing proposal that that you know, it was a nice set of information that talked about who you are, what you do, had your demographics, you know, how many people in the crowd every week and all of that. And then what you're, how you're going to promote the sponsor that used to be what you needed. Well, then it became, well, you, you, you need a website. Okay. Then it became, well, you gotta be on Facebook. And then you got to be on Twitter and you got to be on Instagram. You got to be on TikTok. You got to be on LinkedIn. You, you know, and in each of these, what they call social medias, by the way, is the algorithm works differently. How you get sort of put out to the masses instead of just a few people is different on every platform. Who the heck has time for this? Right? Isn't that? part of the problem there like 
as as we've gotten closer to 2023, there's just become more and more and more and more and more that you need to be able to do well in order to to get sponsors to to help with your racing. And and the cost of racing has just gone out of sight, right? Because now we have all this technology and engineers and it's not just going to the junkyard, buying a, a car, making it a race car and taking it to Daytona anymore. You can't do that. That's what's changed. And it's all changed fast enough, especially the the digital part of it, the online part of it has changed fast enough because then, okay, well, I got a Facebook, I got all this. Well, now it's it's not good enough to post photos anymore. You got to post video. Oh, and then your video has to be TikTok. You can't have more than 10 seconds. Well, now YouTube does their copies TikTok with your, their shorts or whatever they call it. Well, TikTok now says, well, we'll make, we'll let you post longer ones. The rules change every freaking week. And so do the algorithms. And this is why it's so hard for an independent person without money to stand out on social media, which is required if you're going to get a big time sponsor. You can't build a following without all of this stuff. Or can you? And that's the challenge now. It's not just being a good presenter. It's how many followers, blah, blah, blah. And it's all crap. I'm just here to tell you the social media thing, the numbers, you know, I got, I got 10,000 followers. Well, that sounds good until you start looking at how many of those followers actually engage by commenting, clicking, sharing, whatever, liking a post. And you realize it's just a smidgen of that 10,000, maybe a few hundred. You look at the analytics and you're not even hitting, you're lucky to reach 10% with a great post of your, of that audience. Because if people don't start reacting to it right away, Facebook, the algorithms for all these socials decide, well, it's not very popular. So they, they just, you just get replaced by, you know, people eating Tide Pods because that's what, uh, you know, that gets enough reaction. Stupid stuff gets enough reaction that it, it overpowers the stuff that we would post to, to talk about what we're doing. So you, you, you then have to work five times harder to, to stand out. I, I equate trying to stand out on social media to putting about a billion people inside a stadium and you're sitting on one side and you're trying to talk to your audience on the other side of the stadium and everybody's yelling. That's what it's like. So that's, that's a huge issue. And it's taken us over 10 minutes here just to explain kind of how this whole thing works and what's wrong today. Now, here's the money part. I'm just going to use sort of the typical NASCAR stuff because 
it, it's what most people know. A late model, even at the Cars Tour level, if you're going to race to win in a series like the Cars Tour, which is just a regional series, but it's a, it's a big one, you're over $100,000 a season, easily, if not close to two. The problem is that when you go to a sponsor, there isn't $200,000 in marketing value just for that series. The sponsor can't get $200,000 in value back out of it in most cases without you also having something else that you're doing or, or involved in or some way of reaching a far bigger audience than the cars tour does, because even though the cars tour is on flow now and flow has a huge total audience, the only thing that matters is how many of that total audience are tuning into the cars tour events. That's your, that's your number that you're marketing to it's, and it's certainly not NASCAR ish yet. (laughs) Maybe someday it will be, but you know, there are way more people that watch NASCAR stuff, even the stuff that doesn't do great in the ratings gets way more than what somebody, than what a cars tour race gets on flow. And I dare say even last night's race where Kyle Larson was in action, that probably got the most uh, audience interest. Cause it was, first of all, it was a midweek race, which is smart. The cars tour to do, but second of all, Kyle Larson was in it. So everybody's going to tune in to watch. Now that probably was the, the, the ratings hit of the year so far for the series. I bet it still wasn't even close to the lowest watched truck Xfinity or cup race. So if you're going to ask sponsors for 50, a hundred, $200,000, you better be able to show the value. And that's part of the problem is there isn't enough um, punch in these regional series in most cases for a sponsor to put up that kind of money. So you got to go out and get a bunch of different sponsors to make your total season number if you're going to compete to win. Now, when you get to, here's where it falls off the rail. When you get to the next level, okay, I'm in the cars tour and I've, I've somehow made enough money or found enough money to put, put together a good cars tour effort. Now I want to go truck racing 10 times your amount to race a top 15 truck for 24 races is going to be at least a million at least a million dollars to race an ARCA car in the national series for 20 races is going to be the same, at least a million, if not a million and a half. Now, if you want to go run for Kyle Busch in the truck series, don't even think about it because <laughs> it goes from a mid pack team to like, let's say you want to run. There are teams in the series. You can run fifth to 10th for 40,000 or so a race in the truck series. Um, if you want to go race for Kyle Busch, it's north of 100,000 per race. And even some of your teams like Nice and, and um, Tricon are almost double that 40,000 to run a race for them. See? So this is where the disconnect happens. So ARCA is on FS1 and FS2. Now, FS2 doesn't have nearly the total viewership that FS1 does. I don't know what stats. I've heard 
Um, I've had team owners tell me what they're told that the average ARCA race draws for viewers. I'm not going to use that figure because I don't know that it's fact. But I can tell you this, I can't get a million dollars for it. Now, a truck race that's live, I can get 40000 for that, depending on what else is included in the deal. But see, this is where we run into all of the problems. Now, you start looking at the road to Indy. You're half a million or more for those divisions. World of Outlaws is somewhere half a million to a million for a year. Um, again, I'm talking if you're going to win, not just show up. If you're going to win. Um, so it's it's across the board. Now, road racing is actually the best deal. It, sports car racing, endurance racing is actually the best deal, in my opinion, right now. Because... You can run and win in the Trans Am series right now for about 300 grand. It's only about 10 races, but that's, you know, but that's, yeah, for about 30,000 race, you could race to win. They, they get a nice viewership. They've got some TV um, on Mav, I think now. And, uh, but even their YouTube gets respected. Now, you know, the hard part there is not a ton of spectators at a lot of their events. Now, the ones that are companions to IndyCar or wherever, that makes a big difference. Um, but they've done a great job with that series. That's a bargain. Now you can even go run LMP3 for three or $400,000, depending on who you're racing with. That is not as expensive as you'd think it would be. Now, if you're going to feel the team, that's a whole other. But as a driver, you know, it's not, it's not nearly what, what, cup is unless i would assume probably get to the ganassi's of the world and you know if if he's paying his drivers but see ganassi isn't even paying marcus erickson marcus erickson brings husky that's his pay i mean not all of it but you know that's he has to he has to bring the sponsor and he's won an indy 500 for crying out loud and he still has to pay i mean give me a break so, so there's your, there's your problem. So we've established three things here. One, it's not cheap to go racing Two, There's no organized path where talent takes you from A to B to C. Um, three, uh, you've got to now be a content creator. This is why I tell all drivers you are no longer a race car driver. You are a media and marketing company who is using motorsports to help businesses get exposure and grow. That's what you have to be. If you're unwilling to do what it takes, to learn to do what it takes, to stand out in that aspect, probably not going to make it. So when I when I sort of use the 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 phrase adapt or perish, it sounds like I'm being cold to a driver. I don't mean to do that. I'm just being honest. Even for me as a media, I fight the same things. <laughs> you know, sponsors, advertisers. You got it. It 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 isn't just about I'm a you know 
I would never call myself a great anything, but you know, it's not just about, I've been doing this for 35 years. I've been published over here, over there, over there. And you know, I'm doing this, this, and this, and we're putting it out to this many people. It's not just about that. It's, it's, there's way more to it. So how do we fix the system? That's a complex answer. The first thing that I think needs to happen is that all of the top series, NASCAR, IndyCar, F1, World of Outlaws, all of the, um, the top series, Lucas Oil Late Models, all of the, if, if your series is the top goal of a certain sort of trajectory, okay, of, of racing, they all need to get together and focus more of their efforts. Now, obviously, some of these series do way better than the others. Focus way more of their efforts on content about the drivers. Because the one thing that I see that's missing, IndyCar is starting to get better, but they're, they're way behind. IndyCar has always been very smug and very arrogant about promoting, quote-unquote, the brand instead of the stars. You had, at one point, Zach Veach, who was racing in your series, who had written a book by, before he was 16 and had, had worked with some big celebrities on apps that... Um, were sort of uh, one of them, I think, was a uh, some a text to drive, don't text to drive app. You know, Zach did a lot of great work as a teenager off the track, and he he was and still is a highly marketable young man. And nobody promoted that. There was a point where I said that kid could be a. I don't want to compare him to Justin Bieber in the sense of, you know, but, but the, the market segment that IndyCar needs to appeal to is the younger segment, younger demographic. There's Zach Veach right there when he was coming up the ranks and first getting into IndyCar and he came in with GameBridge. And next thing you know, GameBridge was sponsoring someone else at Andretti and Zach was out. He's just one example. I mean, if you look at the series now, you've got all kinds of personalities. Even and you've got some some drivers like Marcus Armstrong from other countries who are just they're great personalities. Malukas, um, Callum Ilot, these these are all you got Newgarden, um, Connor Daly's without a ride again. And I don't know all the circumstances there, but here's a guy with a podcast on Dirty Mo Media. I mean Good night. But IndyCar has done a horrible job over the years. They're like I said, they're starting to get better. These series have to learn to promote the stars, not themselves. If you can make stars out of your stars and get people to like your stars, now NASCAR has got a big identity problem because the old guard of fans perceives the new guard of drivers as being boring. And some of them are, (laughs) some of them aren't, but they're just not being given a chance. And then 
they pull the old, well, they bought their way up and didn't earn it. Look it, they're there. And they're driving the wheels off the cars. William Byron is not going to go out and get drunk and do something stupid. Don't penalize him for that. Because he won't hit a driver over the head with a helmet. Like one of the most popular drivers in NASCAR history once did. Took a helmet to a promoter in another country. But we won't, you know, I'm not going (laughs) to. But here's, again, like. Just because he won't fight on the front straightaway? Are you kidding me? Don't judge him by that. We're supposed to be watching racing for talent. William Byron is as good as any driver in NASCAR right now. As far as talent goes. Now, he's not as well experienced. Kyle Busch is probably the... I mean, we're all hepped up about Harvick's retirement, but Kyle Busch is probably the heir apparent to... um, sort of the controversial veteran right and now kyle is finally growing up can't teach your son to lose well if you don't (laughs) you know so at some point you kind of gotta be just a little more personable you can still have your fiery attitude you know just draw a line somewhere but this is where it becomes hard if you're a driver at the lower levels you're looking at all of this up above and going how do i conquer this well you have to either adapt or perish. And, and, and so it's because it, I don't see until we get to a point where motorsports, do you realize that outside of this country, karting is massive here? It's an entry point. It's considered amateur in, in most cases, and nobody covers it at all. It's not considered it. I don't even know what to compare it to. It doesn't get nearly the coverage it deserves. But again, a lot of the carding sanctioning bodies don't promote well and just don't know what they're doing. Um, And that's unfortunate. The ones that do are getting real good participation from racers and they put on great shows, but it's not, it, it hasn't caught on as a big time level of the sport and it should Crying out loud, it's the most extreme form of motorsports, in my opinion. You don't, you're, I mean, a flat cart, you're, you're, you're unprotected there. And I raced those for a while, you know, and, and I didn't really fear anything as far as injuries, but I also was lucky, you know, I didn't fall out of the cart or anything. So like it, there's some very exciting cart racing that goes on and nobody picks it up. That's part of what my media tries to do. I want people to understand that this is fun and exciting. And when fans see it, they enjoy it. They enjoy bringing the kids out, watching the races, but cart promoters don't even promote into the cities. They're coming to get fans. They don't even bother. And they should because they, again, they could make money, but they've had this 30 year old business model of let's just make everything off carting fees and, you know, whatever, tire sponsors, motor sponsors, whatever. And so we have to, the sport itself, and it has to start with these top series, has to remind itself it's the drivers that the fans come to see. It's not a NASCAR brand or a this brand or a that brand. It's the drivers. It's it's the racing itself. They don't care what the brand is. So stop being so smug and promoting your brand and start promoting your stars. 
which is the old-fashioned thing that promoters like Humpy Wheeler used to do. They'd create rivalries and then put that out to the local media, good guy, bad guy, and then the media would glam onto this and show up and, you know, and then fans would show up because the media would put that narrative out to the fans. But promoters have stopped promoting, and it's got to start there. And drivers need to go the extra mile to get themselves out in the community and create a brand that's recognizable for themselves because that's how businesses are going to attach to them. If they don't know you except from your deck and you only have, you know, 500 or 1,000 followers on your biggest social media, sponsors get nothing out of you. You have to still do what you you had to do years ago social media just gave you another tool to use and and that's what drivers teams that's what they need to do now if you're a track you still should be sending race results out to the media especially those and you should know who the media are in your area that are interested in you and covering you and wanting to do it and you should be helping them if all you do is open the door and then count your money at the end of the night, you don't care about spending any of it on marketing or media. That's why you don't get a crowd. It's your fault. It's nobody else's fault. It's not the economy. It's nothing but your fault because you don't work hard at promotion, right? And um, if you don't, if you don't invest, you're not getting anything back. And so, and that hurts your drivers. But of course, if I'm a driver at that track, I can't just blame the track if I'm not doing my own promotion. And drivers who think that they shouldn't have to do anything, but because they, you know, they're a three-time champion or something, they should just get, I, I, Joey Logano's comment in an interview recently about, you know, I had to bring money when I wanted to race a truck. I'm a two-time champion and, and I still had to bring money. Well, yeah, because it costs money to put the truck on the track, Joey, you know, you shouldn't expect that just because you're a two-time champion, somebody should hand you a truck ride because there's somebody else behind you in line who can bring money and pay for that. And here's Joey with all these millions of dollars spending a quarter of a million on a mixed-use investment project in Huntersville, North Carolina. Now, I don't know if it's all his money, but... He's, I mean, and and by the way, I think that's great that, you know, these drivers are obviously investing in the community, whatever, that's fine. But you know what, Joey, put your foundation on the truck and pull and, and write the check. If you want to go play, write the check. Or here's a, here's an, and then he'll say, well, I don't know how we fix this, this cost problem. Well, Junior started a team. Kevin Hardwick started a team. I mean, Others are bought into the cars tour. Like, do something. Sponsor a driver. You know, sponsor several drivers. You don't have to pay for their whole freight, but, you know, create something. Help. You know, that's these that that's what needs to happen here. Don't just complain about it and surely don't think because you're a two-time champion that you're entitled to a free ride in a lower series. I can't imagine what would happen if Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen were allowed to drop back and race F2 and F3 races, by the way. But that there again is a whole other discussion. 
that we won't go into. But Joey inferred that he should be able to to just have a free ride because he might be able to help the team build the program. Well, <laughs> sure, I guess. But, uh, you, you know, pay for the ride. Use it to promote your foundation or promote some other cause that's good. Do some good with it and, and still help the team build the program. I don't, I just don't understand that concept. You want to race by a car, you know, <laughs> everybody else has to, why should you be any different? And you got way more money than the, than, than the guy running Saturday night at the short track, trying to get up to where you are. So I just, that, that didn't, that, that sort of confused me. And I was surprised that Joey went there. This is a, like I said, this is a complex problem. But here are the takeaways. One, I believe that the, the, the top series of the sport, really all series and tracks, have to do a better job of promoting their, their shows and their drivers, obviously some better do better than others right now, but you've got, if you're, you've got to do it. If you don't, you're just taking from the sport, giving absolutely nothing back and you're doing nothing to better the sport. And we all should be in the game for that reason. That's one, two, if you're a driver team or a team, your driver or team, you have to adapt you have to create content. If that means that you you have to go out and hire someone like myself who can help you to design a program and you know and go and if I can't create the content, I, I find people who can, then that's what you gotta do. But but some of it you have to do because social media is a very personal kind of thing. It can't all come from some third party. You have to participate. And that takes some work and it takes some extra time, but this is what it takes to build an audience that the sponsors can, can sell to because it is a business deal. It's not a donation. If you're approaching it, like you're asking the sponsor to donate, you're probably not going to have a lot of success. And I think more people who are in positions where they understand the marketing side should do more and to, to help these drivers understand you've got to do a, B and C. And that's, I try to do that with the content I post, especially on LinkedIn. And even now I'm doing more of it just for the website and the, my socials, et cetera. Um, it's just trying to, and not, I'm not the, 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 the biggest expert I know, but I spend more time, learning from others probably than many do. Um, and so I'm understanding what sponsors are saying they want. And that's what I'm explaining. If you're a race fan, the biggest thing I can tell you is if you have a favorite driver, share their content. If you have a favorite podcast, share the content, share it because you, that amplifies it and puts it out to your audience that helps the podcaster or the content creator, whoever it is, 
that helps them grow their audience. Fans can participate in a driver's growth or a brand's growth simply by sharing content and being, you know, active in doing that. Um, you know, that's really an engage with it. Don't just see it go by. Engage with it. Leave a comment, you know, like it, share it. Um, it's important because we're all, this sport needs growth. It needs new income. It can only get that if it gets more eyeballs, more good content from its all of its people. And, you know, it becomes a bigger, even bigger part of the daily discussion like some of it is in some other countries. And that's today's hot topic. Going to close the show with a final thought here. And we're a little over time, but I, I just can't close this show without just trying to find words to express how deeply sorry I am for the loss that Jimmy Johnson and his family suffered this week. For those who don't know, apparently Jimmy's mother-in-law allegedly killed her her husband and their 11-year-old and then killed herself. Allegedly, it is apparently a murder-suicide. And so Jimmy is withdrawn, obviously, from this weekend's Chicago race. Folks, we all need to, if, if, if you're a believer and you're a prayer warrior, we all need to pray. I don't even know how you begin to process something like this. So I don't have any idea what that family is going through right now. But we all need to pray for God to be a source of comfort and strength and that their faith will carry them through this because absence of that, it's just almost impossible. I don't know how someone who isn't of faith is able to ever process something like this and and put it into a place where they can in some way move forward. But it's going to be a very painful period for a, a, a good while for... Jimmy and his family. So please pray for them. Thank you for listening to this show. And we'll uh, look forward to gathering back again next week on the Tom Baker show. Have a safe racing weekend, everybody. So long. You've been listening to the Tom Baker show.